You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. So there is a um, very little new with my life because I actually recorded today's, yesterday's podcast yesterday and today's podcast yesterday. So it's, it's not that big of a gap between the two podcasts that I'm recording. Other than I'm just watching these, uh, I'm just staring at the numbers, which are just starting to upset me. <laughs> I don't know why I'm so mad. I just, it's almost like it's just taunting me, and it's like, it's not even funny anymore. You know, like, it, it's, eh, just stop. Like, I get it, man. You got me. You got, it's funny. It's hilarious. Way to go. Congratulations. You got me. I'm an idiot. Now you're just being obnoxious. 85,000 downloads today. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be at Joe Rogan numbers by the time this day is over. Not really. He gets uh, like six million a day, I think. Six million. Do you know how much money that guy gets? And you, you gotta understand, podcasts make a lot more money than, than whatever. Six million. I mean, well, he's. I guess we know exactly how much he gets, but because he just signed a big contract. But I mean, that's that's crazy. I mean, it, if if it was just if he wasn't just working on that big contract that he got, hundreds of thousands of dollars a day. Rough calculation, probably a hundred and. $115 million a year. So his $100 million deal with uh, Spotify is, that's nothing. It's crazy money. If you guys aren't doing a podcast, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Find something interesting that a lot of people want to listen to and start a podcast and make a lot of money. Don't do what I'm doing. Do something different. Because then <laughs> then you make more money. Or just do it better than me. I don't know. But I'd, I'd prefer if you weren't doing Packers, because I already got enough people that are better than me at this. Don't need you crowd me out. Anyways, if you can't tell, I've been daydreaming about money lately. Like I said, there was about five minutes where I was like, dude, our fridge broke. Like, I think I told you about a week ago or whatever. You know what? I'm getting like that $4,000 fridge. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going all in, son. I didn't have super big dreams. I only had five minutes to think about it, all right? I didn't get to like researching cars. I was just thinking new fridge. So leave me alone. I don't know. I should have been prepared for that moment, but it it, it came and went. Anyways, today we had a lot of uh, coaches meet with the press, and I kind of want to go through a lot of that stuff. No idea how long that's going to take, but that's what we're going to do. Um, I do want to start off with Joe Barry. It's actually really funny. I'm looking at, so I've got this subscription where I can see the percentages of, of likes compared to dislikes. And on the Packers um, YouTube channel, I'm looking, and they're all basically 100%. There's one, though, that's at 90%, and one of them is at 78%. So two of them aren't 100%. See if you can pick out which two. Brian Gutekunst video conferences, Olivadotti excited uh, whatever, Montgomery, Jerry Gray, Drayton, Barry, Gutekunst, and Smith. Which two do you think? Do you think maybe it's Gutekunst and Gutekunst? Because <laughs> you'd be right. 78% of 
Um, still, obviously, a lot more thumbs up, but they put a little red there because that's not great. Um, 78% compared to everybody else got 100% thumbs up. Smith, Barry, Drayton, Gray, Montgomery, Olivadotti, all 100%. Gutekunst, 78%. <laughs> Packer fans are so mad. Just, just thumbs down just because it's his face. That's it. Anyways, Joe Barry talked to the media a little bit. Um, first portion of it wasn't that exciting. They asked him about him diving on the ground or something. He explained that. Talked a good amount about consistency, which is just good to hear. I mean, he kind of talked about how, you know, you hate when you uh, you get to see somebody and they're one way one day and then you don't know what kind of mood they're going to be in the next day. And that is kind of terrible. But it also makes sense for a football team because you don't want what the Packers have been for a very long time, which is this elite team that someday just sh- someday shows up and just isn't playing well. So it makes sense to start a foundation of saying we're going to be the same every day, right? We're going to be the same high energy, the same motivation, all that stuff. And even Devontae talked a little bit about that, how, you know, when they got to the NFC Championship game, some guys were just like in party mode, like we did it. Yeah, we're cheering, we're partying, whatever. And he's like, dude, you know, I've been here too many times. This is stupid. Like, I'm not going to celebrate this. We got more work to do. And apparently this young football team, even though it just happened to him the year before, still decided they were going to go into party mode by getting to the NFC Championship game, and we saw how that turned out. But anyways, um, again, like I said yesterday, it still has to translate to something on the field, but I understand it, and I like that that's what he's planning on doing or whatever. He was asked about yesterday and his thoughts on, um, you know, the defense did really well. They didn't give up any touchdowns, and his reaction was more or less, I mean, yeah, I guess, but it's practice. And and it's, it is important because we kind of go in and try to evaluate how everybody did, but I don't even think the coaches are necessarily doing it from that standpoint, in terms of like getting first downs compared to getting interceptions or anything like that, I think it's much more about the fundamentals at this point than anything else. It's installing and making sure, you know, when I say run this way, you run that. The actual completion is not the important part. Just when I call a play, did you communicate that properly to everybody else and did everybody do their job properly? Not necessarily the execution part. And they even talked about, you know, I mean, there's no tackling. There's any. So, I mean, yeah, I guess we, we didn't give up any touchdowns, but that's not what this was about. Again, important for the sake of perspective because some people take things too far, positively and negatively. And, and again, there's nothing wrong with cheering on a guy, but don't get too wrapped up in things to think, you know, this guy definitely made it or this guy's definitely out or anything like that because it's just it's very simplistic type stuff. It's also why there's probably some cuts that happen that always shock everybody and then we get mad about it and we don't understand why they keep making bad decisions because we're not really understanding what it is the Packers are doing in these phases and there's so much going on behind the scenes that we don't really know or understand. It's just kind of an impossible task. It's still fun for us, but, you know, perspective. He also went on to say that the reason they did the tackling um, is because basically we've got a preseason game coming up and we want to kind of get them going. Um, he was glad that there was rain. He said, you know, it's something you got to prepare for. You got to get your footing. You got to do all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I just top to bottom, it sounds like he was more or less satisfied. I'm sure there was plenty of correction going on for everybody. And that's going to continue, or, or at least will be, correction. But, um, you know, no catastrophic injuries, no major mistakes, just uh, just a solid practice all around. He did have one interesting concept that he went over, and I, it's so funny now. I feel like I, I always like doing the podcast by myself, but I, I feel like I need to at least have Coach Hahn just sitting in the chair next to me once in a while so I can just look over and be like, dude, come over, come here real quick. I want to ask you something. Because they, they keep saying stuff that it's like, I, I more or less get it, but I'd love to get a coach's understanding of what, what exactly in detail that means. One of the things that Joe Barry said that's kind of cool, that makes a lot of sense, 
I mean, sort of, but, it, you know, again, I, I'd like to get a deeper understanding of it. But he's talking about how important the communication aspect of things are. And, again, I think we as fans a lot of times think of it in a Madden perspective in terms of calling the right plays at the right time. And what uh, Joe had said is a lot of the times when you see real bad you know, plays that, you know, offense just completely gashes you. It's not because we called a bad play on that particular play. It's because of miscommunication. And so if I call in, you know, call in a play to the linebacker and he's trying to communicate to the defense, but a handful of the guys misunderstand what the play is and then the other guys kind of get it, you've got half your defense or, you know, whatever, whatever, who cares what the percentages are. You got half your defense doing one thing half your defense doing another thing. He said, that's when it's, that's a catastrophe. Like he, he made it seem as though 100% of the time, unless one of your pass rushers gets there and just makes a crazy play, gets a sack or something, you're cooked, you're done. You know, you can't have two different plays working at the same time. He said, now, if I call in a play and everybody gets it wrong or the helmet just goes down and, and they just communicate, let's just do this. We got it. We at least have a shot. So it's better for everybody to be on the same page with the wrong play, right? Or, or, you know, if you're, if you're, let's just say you're the linebacker and you didn't quite get the call, communicate something to everybody and make sure everybody's doing something. Even if you didn't hear it, call out something and make sure everybody gets it. And also it, it really goes to communication and, and making sure that everybody on the team gets it. Make absolutely sure, not just the linebacker, but everybody, you know, the corners and safeties and all the, the DBs, they're all talking to each other. As long as everybody's on the same page, there's a real good chance that we can make this work. Makes sense. I just hadn't considered that. Uh, he did go on to talk about the linebackers. Um, they were asking about Chris Barnes and and you know how he earned the the, the job of of basically getting the calls brought into him. Um, he more or less acknowledged that he is the guy. He's the main point man at linebacker. He did say you know Campbell maybe probably would have gotten that job if he had more time with Green Bay, and that may change over time as he gets more familiarity with the system or whatever. Um, but at the very least, he's said what has been very clear all along that they really like Chris Barnes. And again, when you, when you really think about, again, how the team thinks, which is very different than how I think. And I think a lot of fans think we look at a guy and we say, again, sort of like Madden, we look at Madden attributes, speed, acceleration, tackling, coverage, you know, how fast can you run to that sideline? And when you get there, can you bring the guy down? I think when you look at kind of behind the scenes a little bit, what we just talked about, the ability to understand and communicate what's going on, intelligence at the position is paramount because if he doesn't get it right, the whole thing is done and you're you're doomed. Now that kind of stinks because it's like, okay, I'd love to have somebody that's, you know, can we get like a Luke Keekley, you know, in there instead? Because that's all I really care about. But then there's that, there, there's something I've been talking about a lot and that's assignment. The Packers, and I don't think it's just the way the Packers operate. I think it's a lot of teams are this way. They would rather have you do what I tell you to do poorly than to be a really good football player that doesn't know what he's doing. And I think there's a, a good amount of guys that are in that position. And, and again, that's why we see a lot of young guys with high potential that just aren't getting a lot of opportunities, like Rashawn. There's no question he has been, basically since day one, better than Preston. He's never outsnapped Preston, though. Preston's a veteran. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. He may not be as good of an athlete, but he's not going to completely blow the play because he's whatever. And I, I don't mean to trash Rashawn in any capacity. I'm just saying, I think that's a big part of it. Same with A.J. Dillon. He was great every time he touched the football. He never got the football. Why? Doesn't really know what he's doing yet. And it's not just he doesn't know how to run through a hole. Again, we call in a play. You got to listen to that play and you got to know exactly what it means. 
And then when Rodgers decides, I don't like it, the defense is doing this and starts saying, hey, you know, check this, check that, blah, 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 blah. You got to know what to do. Where do you go? Where do you stand? What does that mean? Am I, am I blocking? Am I running a route? Am I running, a, running the ball? Where? How? When? What? Look at the defense. Where, you know, Rodgers knows that that guy's coming. Do you know? He's checking out of it to keep you back to block. Do you know why you're staying back to block? If you don't, then what's the point? You're basically useless. And I think that happens a lot of the time when, you know, Rodgers will check out and you'll see the guy, the running back, kind of walk over to Rodgers' right. And then Rodgers looks at him and goes, get on this side, dummy. Probably verbatim. And then they go to that side. He doesn't know who's... Rodgers says, hey, this guy's coming. I want you to stay back and block. He's like, all right, somebody's... Who's coming? I don't know what's going on. Stand over here. He'll be coming from this side. Thank you very much. Stuff like that. So again, I, I can tell you PFF grades and I can tell you statistics and tackle rates and drop rates and pressure rates, but there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes that we'll never know and never be able to see ever because we just don't know. We don't know what the call was. He also went on to talk about the outside linebacker position and sort of, you know, the the question was raised about Preston Smith and his dropping into coverage. And are we going to see less of that, like what happened in Washington, or is it going to be more of the same? And the way that Joe kind of laid it out is, you know, some teams differentiate their outside linebackers. And I'm assuming Patton was this way. You've got your strong side, you've got your weak side. The strong side is going to be setting the edge. The weak side is going to be your smaller, faster, drop into coverage, what, you know, depending on the play, your big guy on this. I mean, and we used to see that a lot with uh, Dom Capers was that way. You had Nick Perry, who's your 270-pound end, real good against the run, you know, theoretically, um, can rush the passer, but he's mostly just, I'm going to make sure that I just dominate the tackle over here. And then on the other side, you had Clay. Clay was much smaller, much faster. Occasionally, he would drop but he's just flying all over the field, speed rusher, what, whatever. Joe is basically saying, we don't do that. We have outside linebackers, and that's it. And what I ask the outside linebackers to do is what I ask the outside linebackers to do. So there's not necessarily a differentiation between Preston and Zedarius. Now, I think it's kind of silly to assume that there's never going to be a difference, but it seems to imply to me that if outside linebackers drop into coverage, then outside linebackers drop into coverage. And it might be very rare if we're looking at, for example, a Vic Fangio-style defense with Joe Barry, I know it did work there. I'm not entirely sure what the what the Rams did, but I know with Vic Fangio and the Chicago Bears and now Denver, outside linebackers don't drop. They just don't. I mean, if you look at like Khalil Mack, he's, I don't want to say never ever. There might be like one time he does not drop. He either is stopping a running play or he's rushing the passer and that's it. So it's not very descript what that all means, and I there was a note earlier that kind of alluded to the fact that Preston would be doing mostly what he did last year, but again, that was more or less his answer. We'll see what that means. He's either implying that we're going to see Zadarius also taking on some of that, or we're going to see Preston doing that a lot less. I'd like to think it's going to be Preston doing it a lot less. If we go, again, Fangio style is much more vanilla. I shouldn't say vanilla, but it is more of just a straight-up 3-4 you know, three down linemen, two outside linebackers. The outside linebackers rush the passer, and that's just what they do. He also did go on to talk about the safety, specifically Adrian, um, kind of backing up. And, and I don't know if Coach Hahn had said this on the podcast or just kind of in our private chats, but essentially saying that is the core of the defense. And, and Joe Barry had kind of said that same thing. They're going to be the field generals on the field. I know Coach Hahn also said if they run this defense properly in the way that that it's meant to be run or whatever, you're going to see their statistics kind of spike a little bit as well. So um, again, we'll see how it all comes to be, but there's no question Joe Barry kind of backed that up. That is a pivotal, 
part of the defense that you want to have a guy who really knows his stuff. So Adrian Amos is is sort of that guy. But Joe Barry even went on to say, we've got two of them because uh, Darnell Savage is right there. Now, he's not Adrian because he doesn't have the experience and the knowledge and all that stuff, but he does have two guys that he believes are genuinely really good safeties. And so when you have a system, and I know it's, I don't know, I, I, it's hard to comprehend how all this stuff works together. Largely, people say it has a lot to do with the linebackers, but it also seems to have to do a lot to do with the safeties. I don't know how to reconcile that. But if you're running this a lot through your safeties, we got a real good shot here because we've got some real good safeties. Anyways, that was the primary. I mean, there's a couple other things you touched on, but I don't find it overly interesting. You can find all this stuff on the Packers YouTube channel if you want to actually watch what they had to say. Um, next, you've got Olivadotti, who is our linebacker coach. I kind of started off talking about Devondre Campbell, asked about, you know, what it is you like about the guy. And he basically went on to say he's a veteran, right? He's a, he's a pro. He's a, he, he understands how to play football. Then there was a very good follow-up question by somebody. Don't know who. But he says... No disrespect to the other guys that have come and gone, you know, guys like Christian Kirksey that we all get excited about, but then don't, you know, exactly impress the way that we would think. And even the year before, there's always a veteran we bring in, right? Is he, does he do something better? This is the question now. Does he do something better than what those other guys did? Something to that effect. And he basically just reiterates it and says, you know, he's a, he's a veteran. He's been around. He's played for a lot of different teams. In other words, that's kind of what you're getting with him. Now, he's not saying that. And he's trying to be very careful with his words, because if you say, yes, he's better, then you're trashing the other guys. If you say, no, he's not, then that's not a great answer. But essentially, I think that's exactly what it is. You've got a bunch of young linebackers, and they want a veteran presence, and Devondre Campbell is that. He's a veteran linebacker. And I don't know if, I don't know if it's just, I don't know if I've ever heard him speak before, but he, he uh, I don't know. He's different than a lot of other coaches, right? He seems kind of like a, a normal guy. He doesn't sound like a coach to me, like at all. But some of these answers, I can't tell if it's just his personality and the way he answers questions, or if he's just trying as hard as he can to not be offensive to his own guys and he can't do it. But there's a, th- a third question about Devondre Campbell, and I don't know why there's such an obsession about him, but it sounds like the media really just wants to dread, like, please just tell me he's going to be a freak and all of a doubt he won't do it. But um, he's, Devondre Campbell's 6'4". He's very, very large for a linebacker. He's like, well, about those dimensions, like, wh- what does that do for you? And he, his answer was basically, yeah, you know, when you're 6'4", you can do some stuff that, you know, if you're not 6'4", you can't do. <laughs> okay. And I think his, his next quote after that was, he has some football IQ with him too. If, if they're really excited about Devondre Campbell, you'd never know it. You would never know it. <laughs> just, I, again, maybe it's just his personality. I don't know. And that, <laughs> I love this so much. I mean, I, I, I hate it because... You know, you, you want them to lie to you a little bit, right? You kind of, as much as I want the coaches to be honest, when they start saying things that sound honest, it's like, man, would you just lie to me? <laughs> Come on, man. But then they go on to Chris Barnes, right? So now they want to get excited about Chris. Like, tell me about Chris, man. And so they ask him about him, and he gives some general coaching uh, stuff, right? Coach speak. Basically, he didn't say anything about him. So then they somebody asked him flat out, like just just begging for a compliment out of Olivadotti, and says, is he a half a step faster than he was? His answer, meh, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, I don't know. That was always kind of one of his strong suits. He's pretty quick. So I don't, I don't know, you know. So there you go. There's your answer. Is he faster, a half a step faster than he was last year? Meh. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to play this answer for you because it's just, I just want you to, because it sounds like I'm being mean. I just want you to listen 
exactly to what he said, because everything in here is just hilarious. Even the way he, he's going to go and get things, like, it's just, I don't know, it's just perfect to me. Anyways, here is uh, Mr. Olivadotti, Coach Olivadotti, um, speaking about Chris Barnes and if he is a half a step faster than he was last year. Is he a step faster this year than last, you think, just from a recognition and experience standpoint? Uh, I mean, that was one of his strong suits was that he recognized stuff and, and could go could go and get things. You know, I think uh, I think that part of it's kind of a wash right now. <laughs> Come on, that's funny. I, I want Olivadotti to just, like, be the head coach and just give all the answers because I feel like he's going to be honest because everybody else is going to tell you that they're really good and that they're really great. And sometimes they're telling the truth and sometimes, you know, whatever. I have been not super high on our linebackers like most people have. This is the inside linebacker coach, and they're trying to get him to compliment his inside linebackers, and he will not do it. What do you like about Devondre Campbell? Eh, he's he's old, you know, he's been in different systems. So gives him some flexibility as far as his understanding of how things work. Uh, Chris Barnes, though, I mean, he's he's good, right? Yeah, you know, he's pretty good. I mean, he's is he, like, it? I mean, did he improve... From last year, eh, no, kind of a wash. Basically, basically right where he was last year, almost exactly. He made no progress. So, so that's that. Any other questions? Or <laughs> I don't. I mean, it it doesn't make me happy, but it makes me laugh, and I appreciate it. He's not lying to me. I mean, he could easily have just thrown out. You know, he's continuing to just improve every day. Simple little nothing statement that doesn't tell us anything. He flat out said, no, <laughs> he's not better than last year. That makes me laugh. And again, the, the very next question, trying so desperately to drag an answer out. They laid out, you know, Chris Barnes, the guy got COVID. He broke his thumb, all this stuff. And now he's calling the defense. Like, is there something special? He even flat out said, like, beyond, I forget what the word was. What did he say? I don't remember. He, he threw out something out there, but... I think consistency, aside from like, be, oh, being hard on himself, aside from being hard on himself, what is it about, you know, basically, what is it about him that's so special that a guy like that who's unknown, you know, undrafted free agent, kind of a nobody, breaks his thumb, gets all this stuff, like, what is it? Tell, tell me what it is in his soul that's so amazing. And his answer essentially was, you know, we just had a hard time evaluating guys at the last two classes. We didn't get a chance to really evaluate any of their strengths or weaknesses. And you're going to continue to see further evaluation. Now, I'm, I don't mean to put words in his mouth, but it almost sounds like he's saying it's, it's kind of by default in a way. In other words, don't be surprised if somebody else jumps out and takes that role. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I, what, what does that mean? I'm trying to figure out what that means. Basically, the last two years, we have not had the opportunity to evaluate guys. And that's the answer to why did... Chris Barnes start despite being sort of an unknown commodity? I'll just leave it there. That was his answer to that question. I don't even know what that means, but it's certainly, he's refusing, refusing to give compliments. These guys in the press conference are begging for a single compliment for these linebackers. He is flat out refusing. And then uh, the question was asked about Kamal Martin, essentially saying, you know, he was like the number two line, not number two, but running with the twos, essentially the number three linebacker. Now he's been demoted to the number threes and is playing outside linebacker. And, and Kirk is, again, this is sort of a, 
we don't think the way they think kind of thing. He's like, we were shuffling the linebackers. We didn't really have a number one, number two, number three. He's like, you guys do that. We don't do that. So we were shuffling all these guys. And again, why are they shuffling guys so much? Go back to the last answer, evaluation. They don't know who their best linebackers are. But his answer for Kamal Martin is essentially, we're just trying to see who can do what. And we think that he can be a more versatile piece. In other words, if there was another guy his size that we thought could be a pass rusher, we'd be letting them do it too. But I think we might be light at outside linebacker and that, you know, especially going into the future, well, let's see what he can do. And he also made it seem like it's to his credit. So he, he flat out refused or shot down the notion that he was demoted. He flat, I mean, he just, his first words out of his mouth was, no, that's not right. I mean, he just said, no, he didn't say that's not right. But I mean, it means the same thing. So he shot that down instantly and is trying to say that essentially, if we can prove that he's a much more versatile piece that he can play inside linebacker and outside linebacker, it's to his benefit. Now, again, it's kind of a weird thing. Uh, if you really like him as an inside linebacker, you're not going to have him training as an outside linebacker. So it feels to me like when you take a corner who's been a really bad corner and you try him at safety, you're doing that because you're giving him one last shot to prove he belongs on the team. So it does sound to me or feel to me like a demotion, but uh, he refused to accept that that's the reality. And again, it does still fit into this, this idea that they're really still in the throes of evaluation, which also makes sense why you're bringing in guys like Christian Kirksey and Devondre Campbell, because you got a bunch of young guys and you don't know what they can do because you're still in this evaluation period. I don't know who our guys are, which is crazy to me, especially for uh, Kirk here, because that's, that's his only job in the world. So I'm, you know, and the funny thing about it the eventually they get off the linebacker thing and they ask about Joe Barry and say, well, you know, tell us about Joe heaps praise all over him. Great. I mean, granted it's his boss, so maybe it's a little bit different, but he's not afraid to throw out compliments, right? He's a great coach. He's a great communicator. He's great, 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 great. I don't know, man, maybe I'm reading too much into it, but you got an inside linebacker coach that refused to give a single compliment to his linebackers this entire time when they were basically just, they were, it's not even T-ball, man. I don't know what you'd call it. It's sort of maybe like a pinata, and they already broke it open, and they took the blindfold off them, and they're like, look, dude, grab this giant bat. It's not even a stick. It's a baseball bat, and we're hanging this thing already cut. Like, we took a saw and basically cut it in half, and it's hanging on by a thread. If you breathe on this, it's going to bust open. Could you do me a favor and just just take one swing at this pinata? And he refused. Nah. It's an interesting press conference. That's all I'll say about it. Anyways, I'm going to go ahead and we'll take a break here. We'll get to some of these other uh, coaches and their interviews and and whatnot. Uh, We've got Jerry Montgomery. Um, Yeah, I was like, wait a minute, it's Jerry Gray, not Jerry. Oh, yeah, there's two Jerrys. All right, Jerry Montgomery, we got Jerry Gray, and everybody's favorite uh, psychopath pass rushing coach, Mike Smith. If we have time, we'll get to uh, Brian Gutekunst, but I have a sneaking suspicion based on how long this has taken so far that we won't. We'll see how it goes. Once again, um, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. If you'd like to support the Palmer home, you can do so. There are links on my Twitter pinned to the top. There are links in the Pack and a Podcast Facebook group. If you can't find it, you can reach out to me. Thank you very much, by the way, from uh, or for Mr. Daniel Davis for your donation to the Palmer home. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, puts us over, I believe, yeah, puts us over 1,600. So um, absolutely incredible what everybody's done so far to help support the Palmer home. Again, the Palmer home is... Uh, 
say a nurturing home for vulnerable children is one of the ways that they put it. And so there was a larger goal by Mr. Malcolm Reed to raise $20,000 to help feed an entire family for a year. And we're at $22,631. So um, pretty fantastic to be able to be a part of that. Really appreciate it. But let's take a break and we'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular. Exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. So, uh, (laughs) right on cue... I, just, I don't know why I love it. I just, I guess I just do. Maybe because it's so contrary to just, you know, I, I get hyped about guys too, but I, I also know how silly it is. So it's kind of funny, but I just want to play this just, just to kind of set the tone for our next coach, Mr. Jerry Montgomery. Jerry Montgomery is our defensive line coach. Fantastic coach. I know the defensive line has taken a step back, but let's not forget Jerry's been here a while. He's done some great things with the defensive linemen. I think things got a little iffy with Mike Pettin's scheme and losing Mike Daniels and, and a couple things in there. It just wasn't quite as dominant as we've seen in the past. But let's not forget how good Jerry Montgomery has done with these guys and what's potentially or what is possible with Jerry Montgomery. But again, just to kind of set the tone for how the coaches feel about their defensive linemen, um, you can't really hear the question, but the question is, what do you think of TJ Slayton? Work in progress. Got to get better, right? Um, you know it's early, but uh, we just got to get him uh, to play to the standard of our room, and and he's working every day. He's doing some good things, so excited about it. But uh, it's work in progress. Early in camp, got a lot of more snaps uh, to get to before we're where we need to be. So if you're wondering why, again, guys don't start right away as rookies, this is these are your coaches. This is why um, the, the the media and the people attending these camps that are there kind of live tweeting and everything else, 
um, even me to some extent, basically ready to crown TJ Slayton as the next great defensive lineman, right? Because he takes on double teams and all this kind of stuff. You ask the defensive line coach what you think of TJ Slayton, he basically shrugs. He, he tells us flat out he's not up to the standard that we expect, but it's early. That is that is literally his answer. I mean, he gave a couple compliments, which is better than what you got from uh, from Olavadotti. I mean, he he didn't give a single compliment. I shouldn't say that. I, I, I don't remember any. There might have been one in there. But, uh, you know, Montgomery was more or less like, yeah, I guess, whatever, but um, not good enough, more or less, is where he's at. So we may not see very much of him very early on. We might. But I, you know, remember last year when Snacks Harrison was there. And remember, he's the guy that we want on third and short. Who was out there on third and short? It was Dean Lowry. Why? Because Jerry Montgomery is the defensive line coach. And, and you know, I mean, it's not like Jerry and, and Kirk are just in control. This is how the coaching staff views the players. There's a standard here. And if you don't play to our standard, you don't play. I don't care if you're 340 pounds and that guy's 310 pounds. The 310 pound guy that knows what the standard is, that knows what his job is, that guy plays on third and two. I'm glad you're 340 and I wish you were 340 and played to the standard that we want. But, um, and again, I do appreciate the honesty of it. And I do like that it kind of takes us all down a peg. I wish the Bears coaches would do this a little bit to take them down a peg, but it'll just make for a, a bigger crushing blow when the Bears aren't as good as everybody expects, because obviously the Bears fans are doing the same thing the Packer fans are doing, except they have a quarterback to get excited about, and their coaches are feeding it. They're 100% they're feeding into it. This guy is special. I haven't seen anything, you know, like Gruden over there. <laughs> Gruden, who is the coach of the Raiders, by the way, not the greatest football team of all time, um, talking about how Edwards is a combination of, I don't know, what I, I always forget what he said. I think it was Terrell Owens and um, whatever. It doesn't matter. Two two of the best wide receivers of all time. It's just stupidity. So it is kind of nice that you come to, and again, this is what I've talked about too, where the Packers are just a different organization, right? Lions, you know, the Lions coaches are excited because their guys are throwing haymakers. Great. The Giants coach literally said he was, I, I don't know how to phrase it on a, on a family-friendly podcast, but let's just say he got excited in a certain kind of way when his team got into a massive brawl it of of which by the way his quarterback was at the bottom of the pile now he, he put on a big show about being mad but the next day he comes out and says he's extremely excited about it right and so everybody's got all this stuff and they're throwing out all these things and they're all excited about little nonsense the Packers are a fantastic team they got a guy like TJ Slayton who's been tearing it up in camp Jerry Montgomery comes in front of the podium the media asks him hey what do you get what do you think of Slayton he says not up to our standard not good enough why because the standard here is different. That's why. The standard here isn't how good of a haymaker do you throw. How, you know, they talk for three days about how Amon Ross St. Brown jumped over Jeff Okuda. Wow. <laughs> I remember in Green Bay when they cut a guy for, for jumping. I think it was in Family Night. Colt Lyurla, I think it was. He, like, leaped over a guy, and I think he hurt his knee or something. And they, they just cut him. Like, you're an idiot. Why did you do that? Don't jump over guys. and It's, it's practice. Relax. I like it. I, I, there's still a part of me that wishes Jerry would come up and be like, dude, you don't even freaking understand this guy's a beast. That would be great. It would be fun, but he's not doing that. He's like, I don't know, dude, he's a, he's a mid-round rookie that doesn't know what he's doing. But yeah, he's, he's large and he's strong, so that's great. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's good and it's bad. But don't think that it's because all, every team is going through the same thing we're going through. 
some teams are deciding to overblow how great their guys are, and the Packers have a different way of looking at things. They're coming at this as a team that views themselves as a championship-caliber football team, and basically, if there, this is, there is a really high bar, and if you're not at that bar, you sit. And a lot of us, again, we don't like that. Like, just put the big, fat, strong guy in the middle because he's going to push people out of the way. They're not going to operate that way. No, because when I sit down in class and I say, this is what I expect, you need to know A, B, and C, and he knows A and forgot about B and said F, nope, sorry, you don't play. Again, the media <laughs> asking about TJ Slayton. Try, again, they're they're just trying, you know. And I, I'm not I'm not trying to pick on them. I'm just saying, like it, it's obvious that they're trying to just tee up these coaches to give compliments. I don't know if it's because they're just excited because a lot of these guys are Packer fans. Some of them are not, or if it's just because they want some juicy articles because they know the ones that are get clicks. So they're trying to get them to debate them into saying these things, or I, I don't know the the exact motivation. But they're not taking the bait. They talked, you know, the next question was something to the effect of, you, know, you got a lot of guys out, he's getting a lot of opportunities, isn't he? And he's like, yep, getting a lot of opportunities, he's a lucky guy. And then the follow-up question of that was, well, is he a better pass rusher than you expected? He didn't say no, he said he's adequate, was his, his exact quote. Again, just, you know, yeah, I guess. But ask him about Dean Lowry. And this shouldn't come as any surprise. And again, fans don't like it because fans don't like Dean. And I guess that's somewhat fair, but I, I think... Coaches like Dean because Dean thinks like coaches. They respect Dean Lowry, and even he's, you know, he says Dean does a lot of the dirty work. The bottom line is Dean's not thinking he's just playing. And he might not be Aaron Donald. He might not be Kenny Clark. He might not be the best of the best, but they know they can count on Dean to do what he's asked to do. And so when they ask about Dean Lowry, he's not afraid to heap praise on him. In their mind, he's earned it. He is what they want. Maybe not athletically. Maybe not, you know, the, he's not this uber gifted athlete, but in no way are they going to praise TJ Slayton and not Lowry, which is what most fans will do, right? I'm like super excited about Slayton. Lowry's a, a joke is, is what most fans would say. The coaches absolutely will never say that. They have the utmost respect for Dean Lowry and uh, Slayton is just some young guy that doesn't know what he's doing. That's where we're at right now. Doesn't mean that's how it's always going to be, but that's where we're at right now. Now, if you want some silver lining, here's what... And this is why I like honesty. And, and this is me in real life, too. The reason I like honesty is because when people tell you things, especially compliments, you can believe it. All right, if you go online, and let's say I were to take a... I shouldn't use that analogy. Let's just say an unflattering picture. Uh, granted, most people would probably be pretty mean about it because they understand. It's just whatever. But the bottom line is if people start heaping compliments, I don't know why people even accept so many compliments, because people will just always be nice. If you don't believe me, do an experiment, especially the ladies, by the way. Guys, you might get picked on a little bit, because it's just the way it goes, and it's fine. Do this experiment. Try to take the most unflattering picture you possibly can, and then say something to the effect of feeling ugly today or something. It will be 500 comments about how beautiful you are. I don't like it, when I gain five pounds and you come across somebody and they're like, wow, you're looking good. You're losing weight. Like, no, no, I'm not actually. I'm not. I'm looking terrible and my pants don't fit and I'm in a bad mood. <laughs> Stop lying to me. I much prefer my friend who's like, dude, the heck happened to you? Like, you know what? Shut up, but thank you. But you know why? Because when that same guy sees you and they're like, dude, you've been losing some weight, it feels good. When you get Jerry Montgomery refusing to, and back-to-back and -back coaches, these guys will not give fake compliments. They won't. 
If you're not ready, they're going to say you're not ready. And even, you know, fans, we get excited about some guys over other guys. They don't care. They're not going to play into what we like and don't like. I'm going to play this whole thing in its entirety because, again, now that we've laid the groundwork, now that we've had 15, 20 minutes of this podcast being coaches refusing to give compliments and basically just being uh, dismissive of every question so far, with the exception of guys that we know are established. Ask them about Rodgers. They're going to gush over them. Devontae, Bakhtiari, Jair, Dean Lowry, Kenny Clark, any of these guys, pr- pretty much none of the linebackers, which is why Olivadotti's in a tough spot because he doesn't have any of those guys where you would heap praise on him because they've been there a while and they're veterans and they know what they're doing, aside from Devondre, but he doesn't understand this system anyways. We're moving on now. Here is the answer to this question, and it, it just it gets you excited because you know you can get excited about it. I, I'm, I'm really excited about uh, Kiki. I mean, I, I think uh, this is going to be a breakout year for him. Um, I think he's going to be... Uh, great on all downs, first, second, and third down. Uh, This is that third year where I think he's going to make that jump. And uh, I thought he was great in the spring and look forward to getting him when he comes back. Now, fully understanding the the reality that Jerry might just be wrong, we at least know that he's being completely honest. Completely honest. He didn't even give that much praise to Dean Lowry. And Dean Lowry outsnaps him. He's been there longer. He's probably a more intelligent guy. I mean, I don't mean you know, just as far as general intelligence. I just mean he under he has a better understanding. He's been in the NFL longer. This is, at least in the last two coach, probably, I don't mean, I don't think, uh, I don't think Joe Barry said anything quite this, this praise filled. To have a coach who absolutely refuses to give compliments unless he feels they're due, to flat out say he's about to have a monster year as a pass rusher and a run defender. Again, maybe he's wrong, but if there's anybody in the world that knows, it's Jerry Montgomery. He's, he's got the best guess of just about anybody, I would say. If, I, if there was like one person, let's, let's say you came to me and you're like, you can ask one person in the world, but I want you to make a bet. Is Kingsley Kiki going to break out? You get one phone a friend and you can call anybody in the world. I probably call Jerry Montgomery and ask him. Could call uh, Joe Barry. Could call Matt LaFleur. I'm calling Montgomery, you know, Patton, whatever. I think I'm calling Montgomery because he's the guy that... that this is, he lives and breathes defensive line. He's been a Packers defensive line coach for a really long time. He's been working one-on-one with Kiki. When Kiki has a question about the defense, he's calling Montgomery. You know, he's the one in the, the, the quote-unquote indie drills, right? The individual drills. When, when it's just defensive linemen, you know, Joe's not there. Montgomery is. So, um, you know, I, I, I do like uh, Kiki, and I've talked about him before, where it was year one, great run defender, but he just struggled as a pass rusher. Year two, he was actually a really good pass rusher, but his run defense kind of fell off. But if he can do both of those things, which the great thing is he proved he can. He proved he can be a run defender, and he proved he can be a pass rusher. It's just a matter of putting those two things together. We might already have the monster that we want, right? We, everybody wants to, we should have drafted a defensive tackle to get Kiki, uh, Kenny some help, whatever. We might have him. I don't know. I, I wouldn't put a massive amount of money on it, but uh, it seems like Montgomery would, and that's worth something. Um, he went on to talk about Tyler Lancaster, basically said the same thing as Dean Lowry, right? Unbelievably intelligent, knows his job, knows his assignment. He's under no illusion that this is a freak defensive lineman. It's just a matter of, I just need to know that I can trust you when I put you out there. That's it. And he can. He says the biggest thing is availability. When somebody goes down, he can go out, he can do the job, he can execute. Which, which makes it, he, he kind of almost reminds me of Chandon Sullivan, right? Chandon is not a freak. He just does his job. 
And he does a good job doing his job. He's not Jair. He's never going to be Jair, right? Tyler Lancaster is never going to be Kenny Clark. But can you just do your job so that we can let Kenny do the, the crazy stuff, so that we can have Zadarius do the crazy stuff? We just need you to not be out there going, I don't know what's going on here. We got the studs. I don't need you to necessarily be the stud. I just need you to know what your job is and, and execute. Anyways, that was uh, pretty much all I found interesting with Jerry Montgomery. Um, Jerry Gray, basically kind of the same thing that Joe Barry said. They asked him, you know, what, what do you think you guys did and, or how did you feel about the practice? And he kind of just shrugged and was like, you know, I mean, it's just a practice, but I thought they did fine. He kept talking about point of attack. In other words, all I really care about is that when the ball's in the air that, you know, you know what you're doing, right? It, again, it, it's really just a matter of... I, I, are you going in the correct direction, <laughs> right? <laughs> at this point in time, you should be walking forward or running forward. And then at this point in time, you should be running, you know, this direction, that ain't, you know, whatever. Generally, you understand what you're doing. The, the, the general tone of the coaches is it's not that serious, guys. It's just a practice. But uh, there are a couple things they're supposed to be doing, and, and generally they were doing it. So this is from the DB perspective generally, but uh, that was sort of what Jerry Gray had to say about the DBs. They did fine. Um, Jerry Gray, I mean, again, th- this is clearly a, a coaching thing. And I and I know, again, a lot of other teams, they're they're heaping praise all over everybody. Um, but this is clearly a Green Bay Packers thing because Jerry Gray is now doing it. Um, I forget, or, or don't forget, I don't know who it was. Somebody asked about Ento and said, hey, he had a pretty... So now they're, they're past the point of trying to bait them into saying they had a good night. They're flat out saying he had a good night. Hey, coach, Ento had a good night, just letting you know. It's not exactly what he said, but that was basically it. And um, he went on to say, yeah, it was okay, but maybe try intercepting the pass instead of just getting a pass breakup. <laughs> I mean, that's that's what he said. He did acknowledge that he had a couple good plays, but um, basically just laid it out like, look, um, you know, he's he's just trying to get a spot on. He may not even make the team. And if you want to separate yourself, especially as a former wide receiver, you need to start intercepting those instead of just getting pass breakups. So much less, um, I mean, they're, they're not mincing words, man. I mean, it's stuff that you kind of know, right? We know Ento doesn't have a guaranteed spot on the team. And we know that just because you had a good practice doesn't mean you're automatically on it. But, um, you know, again, these guys are not going to let these players get a big head. They're not going to sit there and, and praise these guys. This is this is do or die. And they need to feel, they, they need to be literally running for their lives. Um, and going to the podium, I think, and with the attitude of, oh, they're so good. They're so great. It's going to be a disservice because if Ento feels like his coaches feel like he's a great player and then they get cut because maybe they take their foot off the gas or whatever the case may be, Jerry Gray is clearly making it, it clear to Ento that uh, you don't have very much time to separate yourself and prove you need to be on here. Um, so again, refusing to give much of a compliment. And it's actually funny because the exact next question that is asked is, what can you have Jair work on? And he says, don't get a big head. Right, he's telling Jair, don't read what the media is telling you. You are a premier corner, but he's he's telling him, if you start getting too confident and too cocky, you'll take your foot off the gas. So this is exactly what's going on. Um, asked about Stokes, he kind of took the the angle that I think most of us have taken. Some people are very doom and gloom about Stokes, but um, essentially just saying what a lot of us have said, that you know he's going up against Devontae and Aaron Rodgers, and every Sunday is not going to be Devontae and Aaron Rodgers, right? For the most part. If you can just, and the biggest thing he's highlighting is if you can just kind of keep your cool. And that's been the one thing about Stokes is he doesn't get down on himself. And that may just be a, a result of coaching because it sounds like this is what Jerry Gray has been instilling in him. Keep your head up. Just keep your head up, right? So what if you're getting beat? The only thing you got to do when you get beat is get right back in there and don't get discouraged because every single time, every single play, you're going to get better. And so basically he's saying, 
first of all, you're, you're brand new. So you're, you're learning and you're going to be learning real fast compared to a lot of other people because of the competition you're going up against. Number two, it's going to get a lot easier on Sunday when you're not going up against Devontae and Rodgers. Number three, when you got pass rushers like Rashawn Gary and Zadarius Smith and Preston Smith and Kenny Clark who are getting pressure, that's going to be your opportunities, right? The quarterback's going to have to speed up. He's not going to be able to sit in the pocket and say, well, technically that was a sack, but I'm going to complete this play anyway. I remember Rashawn Gary is is responsible for at least three interceptions just by getting pressure, and then the quarterback has a throw that he just should absolutely he should just pull it in and take the sack, but he refuses. He throws up a duck either because you know he's actually getting hit as he throws, or because he's just scared for his life and tries to get it out quickly and throws a terrible pass. But there's your opportunity. So just keep your head on straight, and you're going to be fine. And so far, he's doing that. Talking about Kevin King, there's been a. a, a a lot of, of talk about this on, on Twitter and whatnot. I think it's it's fair to take what he says at face value, but it's also fair to understand the position he's in. Um, essentially saying, you know, is Kevin King going to lose his job or whatever? And he, he said, I don't think it's fair that he should lose his job when he's injured. I think if you go out there on the football field and you lose your job, then you lost your job. But then he goes on to talk about what a lot of people want to talk about, which is the possibility of a rotation. I don't know about that. I'm not saying it'll never happen. I think it's it's fair to assume that maybe they're going to try to to ease in Stokes a little bit. So I I do see somewhat of a rotation insofar as Kevin King gets the job by default because Stokes isn't ready, but they start putting Stokes out there more and more, and eventually he takes the job. But the way that he kind of put it out there is when you have three premier corners, which I mean, come on. Then, and he said he did this in Minnesota, you got three guys that you feel are really good and you don't want one to just sit on the bench, so you kind of rotate them a little bit and you keep them fresh. Well, Jair's not getting rotated at all. Let's just leave that alone, right? <laughs> so if you if you got to choose between the other two and rotate them, that's what you're going to do is the other two. But again, I think I think the at the end of the day, it's going to come down to they want it to be one guy and they know Kevin King isn't the guy, which is why they drafted Stokes. But I think Gray is in a situation where he's not going to say that, and he's he's the one he's not making that evaluation at the end of the day. His job is to get both of these guys ready to play and to make them as good a corner as they can possibly as he can possibly make them. That's ultimately his job. Not to say this guy should be cut, but I think from a, a bigger, broader standpoint, above Jerry Gray's head is a a coaching staff and Matt Lafleur and uh, ultimately Joe Barry that want Stokes to take the mantle full time. Will that happen? Probably not right away. Will there be some rotation? Yes, but I don't think it's rotation based on we got three really good guys. We want everybody to get opportunities. I think it's this is Kevin King's job, and we want to get Stokes more opportunities and hopefully push King out. And I shouldn't say hopefully as though it's necessarily gleeful, but that is the end result that they're hoping for. Uh, he was asked about Shamar. Essentially, he heaped a lot of praise, but it was mostly what he did in college. He likes his mentality. He likes the way that he plays. It's just a matter of can he get that to translate at the pros is kind of what I took from what he had to say about that. It was really interesting listening to him talk about the slot position, though, because he does, I mean, he he went on to say his exact quote was, he believes Shamar has a really good shot of winning that job. Um, he did say he, he likes Chandon Sullivan a lot. Uh, a lot of people talking about the fact that Jair, so he mentioned four guys that he sees as potential slots. Chandon is the obvious guy. Shamar, he said, um, has a really good shot was his quote. Also mentioned Jair as a guy that could possibly be there. I think people are maybe putting a little bit too much on that, but they know that he's a guy who can do it. And then he also mentioned um, Savage as a guy. He said he was begging to get in there, and I think that that's a guy that they feel like has the skill set. Again, they like Savage as a safety, but they know 
that he can be that safety slash slot guy. So those are the four guys that they mentioned, but there's no question. Chandon Sullivan is our slot guy. Shamar is fighting to be the slot guy. And they got two other guys that are not primarily there, but they know depending on situation or possibly catastrophe, they could move some things around. They got two other guys that can go there. Anyways, for the sake of time, because it's getting real late and I've been down here forever and I've got to go in about a half hour and all this stuff, we're going to get into uh, Mike Smith. Unfortunately, the reporters were so bored at this point. By the time Mike Smith got out there, they spent the first two minutes talking about a treehouse. They they literally asked him like four questions about uh, treehouse. So anyways, uh, the, the first substantive question, Randy Ramsey, um, again, we kind of rank him as the number four. He kind of just called that out right away and is like, you know, we we miss him. We like him. He's also a real big contributor on special teams, but I don't know if we would necessarily call him the number four. He went on to list Jonathan Garvin. He also said uh, TIPA, which I've been calling Tipa Galea because, again, that's what the announcers said. And I was like, oh, that kind of makes sense. So I have no idea how you say his name. Apparently it's TIPA. But again, he has done a fantastic job. And uh, so, again, whatever rankings we think we know, we don't know. He was asked about Kamal because he's basically being passed off to uh, Smith, and he he basically said he hasn't seen much yet, which is fair. But, you know, it's not a great spot for him to be in when your inside linebacker coach kind of kicks you off to outside linebacker, and then your outside linebacker coach is like, he doesn't even bring you up as a potential to come in. As <laughs> He listed like every he listed guys that have come in off the, like guys that we just picked up yesterday, never mentioned Kamal, but it was like a half a practice, I guess, but he just he forgot to even mention his name. He was asked about Tipa, which I'm excited about because I've, I've been saying, like, he keeps popping up, and we keep seeing him, and we keep hearing about him, but then you don't hear anything about him, and nobody ever asks about him. So um, now we know that Mike Smith likes to give compliments, and he'll praise his guys to the hilt. Um, so he's a different kind of a coach, very, very positive, and he tells his guys they're awesome and they're monsters. Um, he flat out he called him a demon, I believe is the word that he used, in a positive way. Um, but he also went on to say if he can put on 10 more pounds. So... I've mentioned before he's way too small, even for like a smaller pass rusher. So obviously that is a hindrance. He also went on to say that special teams is going to be important for him, which anytime you hear that means he's on the verge of getting cut. So, you know, I I know they like him, but there's also some issues. And I think size is a big issue where they don't even want to put him on the field because his size they feel could be a liability. Um, But they also understand this guy is, is real. He's a real good football player. And so if they can get those couple things figured out, if they can, you know, figure out a way to pack on some muscle onto his frame, they, I think they genuinely believe there's something there. But it's been a few years now. So, I, you know, shouldn't be that hard to put on 10 pounds of muscle. I'm, I'm, it really shouldn't, unless he's just maxed out. But that would be really surprising at, uh, at his weight. Um, he did talk a little bit about the whole dropping thing because that's a big, it's, it's a big question. And I think it is important to ask, especially multiple people, because you keep hearing different things. And obviously they don't want to give you all the details, but it's like, I'm having a hard time putting into, um, into my brains exactly how much he's going to be dropping. Depending on who you ask, it sounds like it's not at all or a ton or whatever. Again, we didn't get a ton of insight into that. Um, you know, he did say, look, it's a three, four, you're going to drop, but we don't exactly know what that means in terms of how much, but we know it's going to happen. Um, the, the cool thing is though, that the next question was, was Sidarius out? Who's kind of stepped up into that leadership role, which, you know, I, I wouldn't think by itself is a very good question because obviously Zadarius can still be a leader, but he ended up kind of illuminating who that next guy up is that's filling that void of, which isn't really a void, but the guy that's stepping up as a leader, and it's Rashawn. I would have thought Preston. I mean, I would have put a decent amount of money, um, not necessarily from a personality standpoint, just because he's the he's another veteran. And I know Rashawn is a grinder. 
but I never really pictured him as, as stepping up into that leadership role. But it does make sense because he is all business. And so it was kind of cool and a little bit surprising to hear uh, hear Mike say that, um, it, it, especially as that being a part of his development, that that's one of the things that he's grown in. I, I tell you what, man, I, and I, I don't really like to take swings like this because I like to be a little bit more guarded and not say things that end up biting me. But I just, I, I have a real good feeling about Rashawn. Um, and maybe I shouldn't, and, and maybe he doesn't really develop any further, and it just is what it is. But since day one, there's just been something about him. The, the loyalty, the the discipline, the hard work, um, the 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 upside, which doesn't always mean anything, but it can mean a lot. And and then to hear the, you know, uh, the first thing we heard from Mike Smith, one of the first things I ever heard him say was he felt Rashad was the best pass rusher in that class over Bosa. Now, maybe there's a little hyperbole there. Maybe he didn't necessarily mean it. Maybe he wasn't being totally honest, but I don't know. I mean, that's that's a heck of a, that's serious praise. And now to hear that he's filling in that leadership role, because you know Zadarius and Preston aren't going to be here forever. I mean, he could legitimately be a very special player. Young guy that, you know, especially when those guys leave, to have sort of a Clay Matthews role where I don't know exactly who's on the other side, but this guy's just a demon, you know, to steal a phrase from from Mike Smith. Just an absolute terror, you know? And, and with with his level of work ethic, I, I don't think he's going to be the guy that gets a paycheck and then, you know, goes off doing stupid stuff. He's just a worker. That's just what he is. I just, I just really, I just appreciate Rashawn, if nothing else. Even if he doesn't ever get any better, I'm always going to re- appreciate, if nothing else, he gave it 110% every single day. If he doesn't make it, it's not for lack of trying. I, re- I just really like the guy. And he, he kind of ended it by saying, too, that the other cool thing is, you know, anybody can step up and try to be a leader. I think I, I remember uh, Russell Wilson, they talked about that, and everybody kind of chuckled, like, who's this dork? Which you can understand, because he is kind of a dork. But they said even even early on, when he tried to step up into that leader role, people kind of look at him like, yeah, okay, whatever, little guy, or, you know, young guy. But he said, people are starting to to accept that. And, and the thing is, even now, I think maybe some people, because he hasn't really been given the opportunity to step up and be that guy, because Zadarius is that guy. Um, but if he gets a bigger role and he really dominates the way that I know he can, there's no question guys are going to start to listen and they're going to start to respect his ability to step up and and take command of the defense. And I'm excited for that. Anyways, that's about it. They asked a bunch of questions about Preston after that, and I'm kind of Preston doubt to be completely honest. So we're going to leave it at that. I got to get going. You folks have yourselves a glorious Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.